Thank you, Brent, for that devotional this morning. And uh, first of all, I, I guess as I was listening to what he was sharing about uh, the uh, the house that they were working on, the surveying and all that, how many of you have seen the uh, the uh, holes that were dug on the corners of our roads out here on Notstein and Page and Roth and Antwerp and and uh, Cuba and and all. Have you seen the the holes that they dug? You know, you know what they what that's for. I didn't know it until just this this week. Um, they they dug down about three foot, and there is a a huge round stone in the corner on all those corners, and that is the that is the the um, what do they call that? Um, there's a word for that. For that um, section of land. Cornerstone? Huh? Cornerstone? Cornerstone? Yeah, I, I think something like that. But that's... They, they dug down to make sure that that stone was there. And off of that, they, they took their surveying... Um, of the of the land of that's why those potholes are and everybody's upset because when you come to that corner there's a pothole well they got it filled in but it's still that's what they're doing and uh, I just thought that was interesting that there is a, a a huge stone actually somebody had a picture of it and and pl uh, put it on Facebook <clears throat> Took a picture of that big stone down there, about three foot below the road. I found that interesting. And uh, he was talking about the bald eagle. Um, it's interesting that you, that you uh, talked about that because just this past day or two, I seen a video, and I have no idea how they that they took this video, but this bald eagle had had dove down into the water and got a fish. This fish was, I mean, it was bigger than the bald eagle. But he, this, this bald eagle had a hold of that fish, and he was up in the air, I don't know how high. And he took his, and he had this all in video, and he took his, uh, you know, they have big heads, big beaks. He took his, his, uh, his beak, and he, he got a hold of the fish's head, and he just tore it right off, just snapped it right off. They had this on video, and he swallowed it whole. And the rest of the of the of the fish, um, he 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 got in his mouth. Mind you, he's up in the air. I don't know how high, but they videoed this, and he swallowed that fish whole as he was flying. Unreal. Anyway, so much for that. But I, I found that interesting that Brent talked about that, and I just seen that video of that, and, and it just amazes me how people can do that and get a video of something like that. So anyway, um, let's move on into the message this morning. And um, the title of my message this morning is, It Depends Upon Whose Hand You Put It In. 
It depends on whose hand you put it in. And I have some things this morning that I brought. My wife didn't even know I've done this. Um, I want to use as an illustration I was hoping that Brent's kids would be here. I'm going to ask them what this is. Everybody knows it's the basketball. Okay? Now, this basketball in my hands is probably only worth about $10, $15, 18 maybe. But if you put it in the hands of LeBron James, it's worth about 30 or 40 million. It depends on whose hands that this ball's in. Everybody knows what that is. This is a football. And again, this football in my hands is only worth about $15. But if you put it in the hands of Peyton Manning, it's worth about 50 or 60 million. Makes a difference, doesn't it? It depends on whose hand you put it in. The stick in my hands is not worth a whole lot except for to maybe keep a dog away or, or an animal or, or an intruder or whatever. But if you put this stick in the hands of Moses, it'll part the Red Sea. Or, when he struck the rock, it'd bring forth water. It depends on whose hand you put it in. Now, this is pretty crude, but it's a slingshot. In my hands, probably wouldn't be worth a whole lot. I'm not too good at with a slingshot. But if you put it in David's hand, he'll kill the giant. Depends on whose hand this is in. Now the two fish and the five loaves would feed me and maybe a few others. But if you put those two fish and those five loaves in the hands of Jesus, what happens? He feeds 5,000. Isn't that amazing? I find that interesting. Yeah, it would feed us. We'd be full. But if you put it in the hands of Jesus, it would feed 5,000. These nails here, they're not very big nails. But in my hands, I could fix the door on the barn. I could fix things around the house. I could fix, I could build something. I could make something. But if you put these nails in the hands of Jesus, what happens? It provides salvation and eternal life. Because these nails is what held him to the cross. It depends on whose hands you put them in.
And it not only provides salvation and eternal life, but it takes away the worries and the cares and those who are stressed if we put it in the hands of Jesus. And so this morning, we got to give everything to God. Everything you've got, you got to give to God. you got to let Him handle it. you got to put it in His hands. Because it depends on whose hands you put it in. If you want to turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 12. We're going to look at this scripture here. It's the, it's the time when Herod is persecuting the church. It's a very rough, tough, terrible, awful time in history. Herod was persecuting the church. And it was here that he imprisoned Peter. I'm just going to read these verses. Now about that time in verse 1, chapter 12. Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And I want us to keep in mind this morning this thought of whose hands you place yourself or your prayer or your uh, whatever item into. And it says he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quarterings of soldiers to keep him, to make sure that he would not escape or to get out, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But I want you to notice here, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. The church in that day, in that time, was committed to prayer and to praying for Peter. They had placed it into the hands of God. It says here, without ceasing unto God for him. For who? For Peter. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Now, just, uh, just kind of picture that in your mind. Peter is sleeping. He's in prison, but he's sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, it didn't wake up the guards. And he smote Peter on the side. Wake up. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith to him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. I don't know how this all happened. How this all took place. But I can tell you and I can assure you that the church was Back home, they were praying, and they had placed Peter into the hands of God and were praying for him for his um, release from the hands of these guards and from this prison. And it says he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but 
thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second war, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. It opened by itself. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed with him. Now when we, we can see here that when we place our prayers and our motives, our actions, our thoughts, our th thinking into the hands of God, what God can do in a mighty way. And was Peter, when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. When we had considered the thing, he came to the... I want you to notice these next couple verses here. He came to the house of Mary. He's released. He's out of prison. And, and, and the church has been praying back home. They had gathered, and they were having a prayer meeting, and they were lifting up Peter to the Lord. You know, just like when we gather together, we have prayer for certain individuals, certain situations, and things that take place in our community, in our families, in our homes, and, and we, we make it a matter of prayer, and rightly so. But I wonder sometimes how serious and how, uh, how much we are into this prayer and praying for these situations so that, I mean, do we truly place it into the hands of God? Or are we just going through the motions? Well, we had prayer for them. We had prayer for him. And good, right. But have we really committed ourselves to, to praying and placing it into the hands of God as the church did here for Peter? Because you notice here, when he came to the house of Mary, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. I want you to notice here, when she opened not, uh, when, she knew, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. She, she recognized his voice. And it says here, she but ran in and told how Peter stood. You know, Peter's out there. Brothers and sisters, come. We've been praying for Peter. Peter's out there. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. Now how many times, how many times have we prayed for things, situations, a brother, a sister, uh, a young person, you know, and, and, and <clears throat> you know, for that they would change their life and, and, and that they would come to know the Lord and that they would be born again and that they would be a member of the church. They'd help, you know, and, and we pray and we pray and all of a sudden, all of a sudden we, uh, you know, something happens and, and things change and, and, and we, uh, it's like, man, I, wow, I can't really believe that. That, that's, that's our response. Well, that's, that was the case here. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is, 
It is his angel. You know, they still didn't believe it. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were amazed. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go shew these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers. What was become of Peter? They were afraid. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death because they had allowed Peter to escape. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord to him and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal peril, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. What happened? And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And the Bible says he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. What an awful way to die. But Herod was an evil man. He was a terrible man. And the things that he done to the people in that day and even to, the, to, to Peter here and to the guards that were, that were watching over Peter. He, he, was, he was angry. He was upset. But because he was not, he was not uh, uh, doing the things of God. It says the angel of the Lord smote him. Because he gave not God the glory. And at that moment. He was eaten of worms. He began quivering and shaking and, and, and just and died right there before their eyes. He gave up the ghost. Wow. <clears throat> Prayer is a wonderful privilege. And I believe this morning that's what we need to keep in mind. As we pray individually personally corporately together as a church you know we have all experienced we've all we all have testimonies of of uh, things that have happened and taken place because of the power of of prayer because we we were we're earnest about it we're sincere and and we want we want god's hand in the situation just like the people did here for peter you know, it reminds us that there is power in corporate prayer. The special dynamic that comes into play when God's children come together, when God's people come together, united in faith and purpose to seek the face of the Lord in prayer, to place it in His hands. Amen. 
just as these items that I shown and, and shared with you, the, the basketball, the football, the stick, the slingshot, the nails, you know, these are all things that placed in our hands uh, don't avail a whole lot. But if they're put into the hands of the right people, they bring about a lot. <clears throat> you know, and, and, and as I said, beginning here in chapter 12, you know, it was, it was a time of problems. There were attacks. There were, there, were, there were things that took place that were horrible. You know, James, the brother of John, one of the Lord's inner circle, was put to death by Herod. Peter was imprisoned. Herod persecuted the early church because it gave him what? A political advantage. It set him on a pinnacle. It put him up high. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I believe this morning that there are those in our midst, in our society, uh, in our country, that are doing this very same thing. We have that happening in our day. To, to, uh, they're doing things to, to, uh, to scramble away the, the Christian, the church, and, and, and put it away, put it down, de destroy it. So that they could have an advantage, a political advantage. We have that happening in our day. <clears throat> there was apprehension. The church did not know what the future held. You know, and we said here this morning, and as we look at this setting, this situation here with, with Peter and the church, you know, they probably didn't know either. You know, just like us, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And may God help us that we that we be be faithful and 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 sincere and and uh, uh, desire to have a, a a closer walk with the Lord. But there was an adversary. We're told that Herod is the one who killed James and arrested Peter. We're also told that his actions pleased the Jews, but. The one who organized and empowered this persecution was Satan himself. It was Satan himself. He was behind this whole thing, just as he is today. He hated the church, the gospel it preached, and the Lord it worshipped. He was out to destroy the church while it was still in its infancy. And he's still doing it today. There are some very, very corrupt things happening in our so-called churches in America today. Awful things. <clears throat> the church still finds itself under attack from its enemies. Yes, as long as Satan is allowed to, to live in this world, he'll do everything in his power to disturb and disrupt and destroy the harmony and the effectiveness of the church. He hates our message. And he hates our master. <clears throat> you know today there are more martyred than ever. Martyrdom is, is taking place all over. I don't know. You know it's hard for me to, to, to grasp that. And to figure that out. You know all of these other religions. They, they can do and say and, and live and, and be how they want to be. But when it comes to the Christian, 
you know, you're, you're, you're cast out, you're pulled out, you're put down, you're just, you know, martyred, you're killed, and, and uh, you name it. May God help us that we place our requests and our desires in the hands of the living God. <clears throat> it was a time of problems. It's also a time of prayer. There's a tiny word here in verse 5 that makes a big difference. We already elaborated on it some, but it is a little conjunction word, but. The situation looks desperate, but. It looks as though Peter might be put to death, but it looks as though the fledging church might be destroyed before it can carry the gospel to the world. But in the face of overwhelming problems, the church bowed its head as one person and it called on God. It placed it into the hands, into his hands. The church did not cower. And that's where we're called to stand for truth and for righteousness. <clears throat> the church lifted its collective voice and rang the prayer bells of heaven and God heard and he answered and he delivered Peter from that evil situation it was a fervent prayer we're told that prayer was made without ceasing you know the word ceasing means to, to stretch forth or in other words it's a, it's a medical term that refers to a, a stretched ligament or a pulled muscle. It has the idea of going beyond the boundaries. Reaching out. Ceasing. Totally giving it to the Lord. It was a faithful prayer. By faithful praying. I mean theirs was a prayer of faith. Their prayers were made to God. It seems. <clears throat> this seems obvious. But there are times when it seems like. Our prayers are designed to, to uh, be heard by other people or even by us. You know, with some big exuberant, you know, enormous words or something fancy. Some, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Just simply call on, out on, to, uh, to God and, and to, to, to put it in his hands. Place it in the hands that made the difference. Bible gives us many verses to the effect uh, the thing of uh, the <clears throat> about the role of faith in prayer Hebrews 11:6 it says without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him Matthew 21:22 all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer Believing ye shall receive. <clears throat> First John 5. We have two other verses there. 14 and 15. It says this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will. He heareth us. Notice there it says if we ask anything. But. There's, there's a, it goes on there. It says according to his will. If we seriously and earnestly place it in his hands he heareth us and if we know that he hear us 
whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. I like what John says there. It was a focused prayer. This prayer that the church was having for the release of Peter, it was a very focused prayer. In other words, um, you know, prayer was made for him. Peter was the focus of the prayer meeting. <clears throat> this was not a generalized praying. They sought to cast a big blanket of prayer over everything and everyone. You know, I believe this morning that we need to be specific with our prayers. You know, and, you know, we're all guilty of this. We say, uh, you, you know, pray for us. Pray for us. Well, sometimes, and, and that's okay. People pray for us, or, or you, or me, or what, you know, situ situation or individual. But I believe if someone is really struggling with a, with a problem or a situation or, you know, circumstance, you know, they need to be specific so that we can pray specifically. And we can denounce it. We can renounce it. We can, we can you know, place it into the hands of God and say, God, you know, this individual is struggling with alcohol. He told us. God, and you know that. You know his heart. You know what he's struggling with. And we're, we're just placing it in, into your hands. God, can you just uh, free him from that temptation, from that desire? But if that person would just say, you know, I, I, I'm having some struggles and uh, just, you know, you just really need to pray for me. Well, we don't know what to pray for, but we can pray for that individual. But I believe that we need to be specific. Yes, it was a time of problems, a time of prayer. It was a time of power. There was a powerful salvation. When the church prayed, God heard them and answered their prayers. Peter was delivered through a tremendous, miraculous intervention. He placed him in the hands that matter. I wonder what we might see God do if we learn how to pray as we really should. I wonder who you might save. You know, over the past number of years, you know, it, it, was, it was one of my prayers, one of my desires that, that the Lord would move in this community <clears throat> amongst our people and for those of you that are here, you know that there's many of them that have come out from the, from the setting that they were in. And there were those that came out from that setting um, that I never dreamt would, would ever do that. And I find myself saying, I can't believe that. But you know what? That's what I was praying for. That's what I was praying for. I believe that our God is still the God of miracles. He's able to do so much more than what we've ever, uh, we've ever seen him do. There were powerful surprises. When Peter was released from prison, 
he went to the house where the church had met to pray. He knocked on the gate. And the Bible tells us here that a little gal named Rhoda. I don't know how old she was. I don't know how big she was. But it says a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. In my mind, I picture her as a young teenage girl who was there with her mom and dad at this prayer meeting. And when they heard the knock on the door, she was maybe the one of the oldest of the young people. And so she went to the door. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just uh, thinking out loud here in my mind. I, I like to try to picture these settings. And as Rhoda got to the door there, you know, um, she heard his voice. She recognized his voice and went and told the church that Peter was outside. Now there are those people in our midst, in our families, when you are somewhere and you can't see them, but you can hear their voices, you can tell who the people are, can't you? By their voice. You know, uh, that's how it was with Peter when he was at the scene when Jesus was being uh, um, before the before Herod and and uh, and the you know the high priest there, uh, he was out in the courtyard and the damsel said, "Art aren't thou uh, one of them? Thy speech bereath thee," he said. You know, when somebody comes from Kentucky. Uh, you can pretty much tell that they're from the south. Yeah, well, we we all we all, we all do things this way, you know. Um, they have that slang. You can tell where they're from. If they're from Canada, they have this a yay a yay, and the Bible says, and all those kind of things. You know, you can tell where they come from by their speech. And so this young gal recognized Peter's voice. And when she went back to tell them, Mom and Dad, Peter's outside the door. They said she's mad. Thou art beside thyself. What, what happened with you? Are you going crazy? Here, you know, they were gathered there to have this prayer for Peter, for his release. And when they find out Rhoda tells him that he's outside the door they don't believe it isn't that how it is many times as Warren Wearsby said God could get Peter out of prison but Peter couldn't get himself into a prayer meeting yet when they investigated they discovered that it was Peter himself and they were astonished. Why were they amazed? Why were they, you know, after all, they'd been praying for this very thing. They were surprised because they were just like us. Yes, when we place it into the hands of the one that can take care of all things, any given situation, God will perform. God will work. You know, Jesus tells us 
in Mark chapter 9 that if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto the mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody say, Mountain, remove hence. And that big pile of dirt just moves. I've never seen anybody do that. But Jesus says here that we have faith as a grain of mustard seed. You know how big a mustard seed is? You can't hardly even see it. It's so small. And so evidently, Jesus is saying that, you know, many times we don't have faith at all. We don't even have enough, that, you know, the size of a mustard seed. <clears throat> as long as we live in this world and speak to God, we'll often be astonished at his answers. And there's been testimonies after testimonies and, you know, example after example of, of individuals, people, traveling, doing things, going somewhere, how that God has performed wonderful miracles in, in protecting, um, saving, and um, guiding, and giving them direction in, uh, you know, whatever that it was. And um, I praise God for that. That we, that we have that source. But we have to place it in His hands. We have to place it in His hands. <clears throat> there was powerful sovereignty. God proved sovereign over the opposition. Herod, the king who dared persecute the Lord's people, as we already shared, dies a horrible death at the hands of God. Wickedness will be brought uh, will be brought under. It will be taken down. God will have the last word. God will have the last word. You know, Herod in his wicked estate, you know, he thought he was, you know, the individual, the person, because everybody and everything looked to him and and bowed to him and did what he said and you know he was this evil ruthless man but the time came the time came when God said that's enough God said that's enough and it was through this time through this period the release of Peter the escape of Peter because the church was praying that God said uh, the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. What an awful, awful setting. But you know, that's what happens. That's what happens when you do not obey and trust in the Lord as we should. And so this lesson we learn, uh, we need to learn today is, you know, it, 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 it can't be measured in numbers on a board. You know, if, that, if that's the criteria of, for our success, then John the Baptist and Jeremiah were dismal failures. The truth is, the truth is, the success of our church does not rest on your shoulders or mine. The success, the success of this church or any other ministry is all up to God. And it's 
And it's a matter of how and, and what we do in placing our desires, our prayers, our um, situations into the hands of God and allow him to lead us and to direct us. <clears throat> and so as we yield to him and look to him in faith and by, by prayer, make our petitions to him. We can count him on him to do what is best. And so this morning, church, we need to be able to get a hold of the Lord. Remember, his phone line is never busy, and there's never a wrong number. When you call on God in earnestness and with a desire, he will answer. He will hear. We need that as individuals, and we need that as a church. <clears throat> Place it into the hands of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we are so weak and frail at times. And we recognize this morning, Lord, that once again, how that you have spoken through your word and given us direction that, Lord, we need to be earnest and sincere with our petitions, our requests, our situations. And that we need to seriously place it into your hands and allow you to perform and to work and to uh, bring about that which would be your desire. And so, Father, this morning, I thank you for each one that is here. I pray for your anointing to rest upon every home that's represented. I pray that you would bless them. And may we as a church, Lord, collectively and individually call out to you and to place all things into your hands. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.